One of the common denominators that we find is just personal fear. I'm fearful of opening up, so this transformation can't happen. And the good thing is, I mean, transformation or just change is always driven either by urgency or vision. And vision is very rare. There's very few people who see the the, the chances out there, but the urgency is rising at pace. Every day, things become more urgent because every day complexity rises, the old way of working becomes obsolete, I mean, clearly, and the necessity to also dig into more just sustainable ways of working becomes clear. Welcome to the Loss and Transformation podcast series dedicated to the complex world of digital transformation. We feature guests from large corporations, startups, consultancies, and more to shed light on the success factors around innovation, transformation, and adjacent topics. We share firsthand insights and inspiration from experts for all the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and anyone curious about digital transformation. Hi, I'm Christine, the Marketing Manager at Ming Labs. And today I'm talking to Dr. Christian Kugelmeier, who's the co-founder at Vorsprung at Work. With his company, he's supporting clients in their high-impact business transformation. And today he specifically shares the journey of a personal and intimate sustainable transformation that really focuses on people and purpose. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Christian. I'm very excited to have you on our podcast today on loss and transformation. And um, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time as well. Yes, you are the co-founder at Vorsprung at Work, which yeah is basically an organization that's focusing also on impactful transformation, also of business system mindsets and so forth. And I'm very excited to hear more about your work and your journey, especially in the field of sustainable transformation today. And yeah, to start off, I think we can jump straight in. I'm happy to learn more about yourself first. Could you share more about your background and experience? Yeah, with pleasure. I uh, pursued a, a reasonably successful career in HR. I think I was a board member by the age of 37 of a billion euro company here in Germany. And while I was on my career path, I sort of started to collect uh, several impressions of how work is being dealt with uh, these days. And I'm, you know, as the longer I work, the more critical I became towards the way that we organize work. And which led me to, at the end, just letting my career go and founding this business, because I do believe that there's a need to, you know, fundamentally work differently and organize work differently, which is now what we've done uh, for the last six years that the company's existed. And um, we have firm believers in the human being, as in that the human being is at the core of everything, and that uh, everything that, that can be replicated is going to be digitized anyway. So we believe that we're drifting into an age of, technology uh, and into the age of the human being at the same time and to organize business systems exactly that way in digitizing everything that can be digitized and leaving the rest to human beings and organizing human beings accordingly so there can be you know freedom and entrepreneurship and innovation and that's at the core of our business we want to make business work more successfully more sustainably uh, it's not about just earning more money it's about ecological economical and social balance And to uh, lead companies onto that path is what our company is all about. Myself, I'm 49 years of age, three kids, uh, six, nine, and four months. And I'm blessed with a wonderful life. It's very intense, especially now with uh, little Carla being there, but it's very joyful. And um, 
just I'm a very happy human being and lovely to walk on this planet and make a difference. And great to be connecting with you. That sounds lovely. Um, very, yeah, inspiring also to hear about your path, basically how you connect also humans and technology and really focus on that human part. Also, yeah, working on a lot of people topics, as you said, like you have a background in HR as well, and then coming into the field of entrepreneurship as well. I think, um, yeah, really interesting to hear about that. And may I just add, I mean, whenever you're talking about HR, you obviously think of humans, but I actually exited HR because I felt HR had nothing to do with humans. HR was oh. administering <laughs> was administering people, but it wasn't, you know, looking for their potential or supporting the people. It was much more of an administrative job than really being able to dig into the potentials of people and foster uh, innovation. And uh, that's actually, and I started to explore what HR's role was in the Tayloristic system of how we organize work. And there it's just really the administration of human beings and not, as I said, the bettering of performance of organizations by virtue of digging into the potentials, which is why I left HR. I left HR because I think HR does nothing for humans because it's not meant to, because the actual task of HR is not exactly not that in the Tayloristic system. So that's a bit to my background. I was very crit critical about the actual system in place. Yeah, but that's good. I mean, I think in the end that led you to where you are now, basically co-founding also Forsprung at Work, mm -hmm. where you've also been working with a lot of clients and helping them with their transformation journeys. And there you are pretty much seeing firsthand you know, the before and after and how the changes can impact their businesses. Mm -hmm. I think this is a super interesting field yet yeah, to kind of understand the change in more detail here. If we picked one specific client of yours, could you let us know a bit about them and explain how things used to work for them before they worked with you, before their whole transformation journey started? Yeah, I'd like to pick our client Ilobau. We're in a very large transformation scheme with them at the moment. They're from the Allgäu, which is in the south of Germany, and they're about a, a thousand people. And what they do is that they produce things like operator controls, machine safety, devices, uh, level measurement sensors. So it's a very technically driven business. And uh, obviously now I'd be inclined to tell the story that before we came, everything was bad. Now that we're there, everything is good. That's not the case. This has always been a very outstandingly successful company that have been, you know, ecologically extremely aware And they've been climate neutral, I think, since 2011. So very, very early because they have an extremely conscious founder who's caring about the environment and the people a lot. And they were always very people-centric and always very driven about, you know, not doing harm to the environment especially. And uh, they turned to us, I think, because they they also realized, you know, the complexity out there is just has just become so absurd that their structures don't foster their business success. And uh, they came to us because they, they felt they couldn't solve their problems anymore. They had grown very quickly and they hadn't had the sufficient structures in place to counter the complexity out there, And uh, which is exactly the path that we're on right now. We are making them complexity robust, you know, putting the humans in the center and still taking care of that their business system works better than what it used to. That's sort of the big scope. Yeah, I think that's really interesting to hear also what you were saying that it's not a company that started from scratch. They didn't have anything in place. They were actually really aware of yeah, their impact. Um, they were very conscious, also focusing really on the people, but you were helping them, you know, to go mm -hmm. a step further um, and transform even more in terms of their sustainability. I think that's really exciting to hear. 
And you've already touched on a couple of factors, but what would you say served as the main catalyst for change for Ilobao to really act and take on such a big transformation journey? I don't think Ilobao were able to solve their problems properly. We came into the company, I think, in 2015, 2016. It, we had just found it. And they asked us to set up a new remuneration scheme for their production lines. They had about 500 people working in production still on a very old established remuneration scheme that basically awarded mass in a particular amount of time. And they found they had quality issues and they couldn't find a new remuneration system for their employees. And they tried everything. They tried business consultancies, they tried universities, and they just couldn't work it out. And because their founder and CEO at that point, Michael Hetzer, he, he believes in the people. He said, our people have to be able to do that themselves. Why can we not find our own remuneration scheme out of ourselves? And he found us because he said, okay, we need somebody to facilitate that process of finding it ourselves. And that's where we came in. And we constituted a, a heterogeneous group of volunteers out of the production to find that system. I mean, people who had never, ever worked in HR, who know nothing about remuneration schemes, we facilitated that group, 12 to 14 people there were. I don't remember the exact number. People who sometimes barely spoke German, but they, in a process that took about a year to one and a half years, found this new scheme that's now in place and that works excellently. Uh, the quality has improved. The satisfaction of the employees with that system about their own remuneration has improved. And they finally now found what they were looking for, but it had to be their own. It couldn't be installed from the outside. They had to dig it out of themselves. And that's what we help companies do. And that's exactly what we helped Ilobao do. And obviously they became uh, quite intrigued by that way of working. And they said, well, what can we do to replicate that out of ourselves? I mean, that we don't need Forschung at work for the rest of time. Can we find at the end of the day a system that allows us to evolve all the time to solve problems all the time to be able to act and to be able to transform whenever it's needed like how do we find an agile fluid system that enables us to do that and that's exactly the path that we're on with them right now to establish structures within the organization that enable just that that make them performant and transformable at all stages so and that's now we're working with the the two co-ceos that are leading the company at the moment and their leadership team. And we have, you know, a learning platform installed with them now so they can, you know, sooner or later or like gradually move into that new system of permanent transformability. That's great to hear. So basically, you're also there to enable the people to, yeah, give them structures at hand that help them do this on their own, even though when you're at some point not there anymore, mm -hmm. and really make them drive this forward themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And you are also talking already about the people there, um, that you're working quite closely with the people. It's very people-centric. Also, you mentioned the company's very technical You work with people that are not in HR. Could you tell us a little bit more about the people that you were working with? You know, what kind of departments were they in? If we can, you know, put yeah. them in those brackets or how can we imagine your collaboration? Well, back in that project that I was talking about, they were all production workers and they came from, from all sorts of areas out of the production, but they were predominantly women who are like, what they're doing is they're, they're welding things together so that these uh, devices work properly. So it's a really, it's a very, very manual task. And when I founded the business, I was thinking, okay, we're really primed to be a white-collar business. White-collar people are going to be working with us. And now our legacy is mainly blue-collar. 
And like with them, it was blue collar workers with uh, the automotive industry that we've worked very intensely with. That was mainly blue collar workers. So they were really were from blue collar departments. And now that we're working with the entire company, it's really from across the board. It doesn't matter which department people are coming from. What's so amazing about this company is that they really love their company. They suffer from it at the same time because they've established themselves a system that's really overheating constantly, which is what we're trying to prevent in the future. But they're coming from all sorts of backgrounds. I mean, sometimes they're engineers, they are legal people, they are production workers, supply chain management. It's from all areas. And really what we try to focus them on is what is Edelbo actually for? You know, the, the purpose issue, what's the vision, what's the mission, what are the principles that you want to be working with? And, you know, where's your long-term plan that we're working towards? And people connect to it, no matter what department they're from. And that's always what I find really intriguing. I mean, people, we all have an individual purpose in life. I don't know what yours is. I'm sort of looking for mine and I'm sort of on my way there. But when you're entering a company, you're being paid and the exchanges that you're trying to foster that collective purpose. Every company is there to solve the customer's problems. And we're at the moment, we're really, we are digging towards the higher cause and, and purpose of Elobar. And we're really gradually getting there and connecting people to it and then make sure that people can live their very individual purpose. So they don't just, you know, leave their soul at the gate when they enter the premises, but they can live as individuals within that context. And at the same time, foster the purpose of the enterprise. So these two purposes need to be balanced. Individual purpose and the collective purpose need to be balanced at all times, which is what we're doing. And it's completely independent of any type of history. And that's the huge transformation of the human side as well, because we used to perceive work as something that, that we sort of do and that we get paid for. And, you know, whatever it meant, we would do to not get fired or something. So it was something very inhumane as in okay we're doing this and we're pretending to like it but a lot of things suck and we don't really like them we don't really want them and now we're entering a working world where where everybody can really contribute out of his or her core and that is the change that that's also very character bound it takes a fair bit of personal transformation we always say there's no organizational transformation without personal transformation because the uncertainty that we're in in today's markets just prompts us to sometimes just say, I don't know. And even a CEO, obviously, is allowed to say, I don't know, because he just can't know. And the times are past where the CEO has to pretend to know everything and to be able to command and control the company. That just that paradigm has outlived itself because of the complexity out there. So for a CEO to be showing himself or herself vulnerable and and say, okay, you know, I just don't know. Let's dig for the best solution. Let's see what we can muster up as a collective because individually I have no idea. You know, that takes guts and that is a paradigm change because obviously we're coming out of a world where, you know, there's great managers who manage their company, who are in charge, who are at the, on the command bridge or whatever all these metaphors were. And that's just completely outdated. And that means personal transformation. And it's very hard for the people at the top as well. Because, I mean, they finally need to surrender to the extreme insecurity that's out there, which is maybe also in them, and to then find personal security and also ooze that to others, as in, you know, I don't know the solution, but I'm safe as an individual. I can convey that safety to all of you. Let's work at this together. And that's a bit of the aim of the exercise at the end of the day. So it's a very, very personal matter. And, you know, people... We always find that it's pretty difficult with engineers because engineers sort of tend to not open up. They always they have that very causal idea of this works that way and then that works that way. And 
this works because of that. And, you know, the complexity and the difficulty of explaining is that's really hard for them. But there too, we've managed to to sort of break up these boxes and make people not also think, but also feel for themselves and for their environment. So it's just a great process that we're in. It's a very confidential work with them. It's very intimate. And that's what's great about it. You know, it's not technical. It's not about Excel sheets. It's really about humans and about the way we perceive the world. And that's exciting. So Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm sort of getting carried away because I love what I'm doing. (laughs) And uh, I love the client. And we've just got a great partnership going. And it's it's not always smiles, but it can't be. But uh, it's just awesome. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear how you're talking about the purpose, how you're actually really listening to the people that you're working with and really want to connect their personal purpose with the companies and really bring it together. So it's not just going to work and then, you know, leaving afterwards and just getting the job done. I think this is really fascinating. As you said, like a very intimate and personal matter, but yeah, also good and great to drive transformation there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I would also kind of like to circle back on your approach, how you basically work with the client overall and how you especially drive sustainable transformation together. You touched on a couple of things already, but could you just guide us through your first approaches of how you go about yeah. working with Elabao throughout the journey? Well, we have a high impact business transformation system in place that we've developed. And that basically revolves around the idea of, of just having sustainable business. It's about, you know, the balance of economy ecological matters and social matters. So these three elements always need to be in balance. And then we're talking about the experiences because a company is made of clients, it's made of employees, it's made of suppliers. That's basically the company universe. And to keep all these interests in balance so that the customer, we always talk about customer-centric organizations. I think that's just false because if you only focus on the customer, you may as well give away your products and that sort of doesn't work. So you have to take care of your employees as well. And you have to take care of the entire universe around you, which is maybe your suppliers. And to keep that in constant balance, that's the aim of the exercise. These three things in constant balance and economy, ecological and social matters and social balance. So these six balances always need to be looked at. And what we basically do is when we enter a company, we find this little team of volunteers that I was talking about with you. I mean, that's one of the ways of entering into a company. We have no set standard. Because every client is different, the needs are different, the legacies are different, and you need to just differentiate when you're looking at it. But that high-impact business transformation system, we've made good experiences with creating already very sustainable impressions within the company just from work. We're never coming from a particular method or frame or anything. We say we need to create value for your customer immediately. So we always considered a little working group of volunteers, like I was explaining with Elobau and these production workers, that have a business problem that the company hasn't been able to solve so far. And we're going through a process that entails, you know, design thinking elements, scrum elements, and, you know, all the methodology that you know to, at the end of the day, solve that business problem. And that little group has the complete power to do so. So it doesn't just work on a concept that then at the end the CEO decides on or somebody. They have the full accountability for what they're doing. And that's all very rare to give full accountability to a working group to be able to solve a problem. And, you know, they obviously feel very empowered. It's very entrepreneurial because, I mean, if they fail, they also bear the full responsibility of having failed. So it works both ways. It's very entrepreneurial. And we we just derive learnings from that way of working because the problem at the end of the day almost always gets solved. 
And then the company can ask themselves, okay, we hadn't been able to solve that problem prior. What made it possible to solve that problem this time? What does this way of working actually mean? How is it different to our default system? And when you've worked that out, when you have all the learnings from that particular process, you can say, okay, what's wrong in our structures that inhibits us from working like that on a day-to-day basis? And you always touch on things like maybe the remuneration system or the promotion system. People are scared to do to really go into an accountable way of working because it always means risk. And risk has been the career killer number one. You just don't take risks. You just want things to work out. You just don't want to be accountable for a mistake, which is already, you know, if you, if you know that the next step on your career ladder is requires you not to make mistakes, you're trying to not make mistakes. And when we've found like some finding like that, we can say, okay, maybe we need to change the promotion system. And the moment that you're changing these very big parameters within the company, like the remuneration system or the promotion system, behaviors change because we believe that we're all part of social systems as in the company is a social system and we all behave intelligently within the system so after we've made our experiences we derive the learnings and then we adapt the structure for the company to be able to work more entrepreneurially that is really sort of the big scope of what we do Yeah, that's um, really insightful to to kind of understand how you guys come in and also to see, okay, you don't have like a set approach. It really depends on the environment, on the client that you're working with. I think that really gives a good context to understand it here. And yeah. I really like that you also highlight how you actually question your approaches as well to kind of see, okay, you know, we, we didn't come up with this before. What is actually the driver now to mm. really understand, okay, why is it working that way? I think yeah. that's a really good takeaway. Yeah. Maybe w one more thing to, uh, to the HIBT, the High Impact Business Transformation System. We always distinguish, and I was saying to you, customer centricity doesn't work because you need to focus on yourself too. Every company in the world has a business system and an operating system. The business system means that you're in touch with your clients. So everything that happens on that intersection is very relevant for your business. That's the business system and your operating system. In the operating system, you make sure that you can actually perform towards the business system. And so the business system is everything that happens from you to the outside and everything in the operating system is what happens on the inside. And the juncture of both is basically your identity and both systems feed that identity and you keep learning from one system keeps learning from the other at all times. So When you're saying, and I was saying it primarily, that we don't have a set approach. There's a very solid framework in place that's the same all the time. The, the beliefs are always the same. Just what we do, the exact action, that is extremely up to the client situation. But the actual framework and the underlying principles and ideas and the framework is always the same. Okay, that's a good explanation also to have this in mind. Okay, you have that business system, you have like the operating, operating system, system to kind of distinguish. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And also you were already telling us a little bit about, you know, what are the challenges when you come in? What are the problems that people were facing at the example from Elobau, for example, as well? Overall, what would you say are quite common challenges in terms of um, sustainability or, yeah, on the road of the sustainability transformation that you see that affect the business? Is there a way to kind of say, okay, these are those or are they just, you know, very different? Yeah, obviously a very common phenomenon that we're coming across is just human fear. And human fear is responsible for many, many worries in this world. And for leaders to be able to acknowledge, or, you know, managers who've maybe led their company for decades, 
to be able to acknowledge, you know, I'm not controlling this anymore. This has gone out of control. I really don't know what to do. I'm in troubleshooting mode all the time. All I'm doing is defend myself. And how do I get out of this? Just to acknowledge that there's a problem that's sometimes hard. And really what we feel is that when leaders start to open up and, you know, display a willingness to learn and to listen, everything changes. And that really is an attitude that we seek. Uh, we really only want to work with customers that have that type of learn attitude because when you adapt that type of attitude, everything becomes possible. When you strip away also your personal fears and when you, when you start to seriously trust yourself and trust your surroundings within the company, everything changes. And, you know, for the most part, especially in extremely big companies, you know, managers have just lost that particular sense for themselves and for their surroundings. They are so focused on their own career and not failing and to not jeopardize maybe their pension or anything. And, okay, this has worked for 30 years. It's going to work for another five. That phenomenon we're coming across all the time. That obviously inhibits working with us because, I mean, we sense that. And then we say, okay, this doesn't make much sense. But the moment everything opens up, Transformation becomes possible and sustainability becomes possible because, I mean, stating the obvious, when people just look after themselves, not their surroundings, that's not very sustainable. And people want to be feeling safe at work. They want to know that they're contributing to the world. They want to look back on their careers and say, this has been a worthwhile time in this company. I've done something meaningful for the world. And for leaders who are in charge of their systems to be able to enable that sensation within all employees, that's the aim of the exercise. And not many people can do that. And, you know, one of the common denominators that we find is just personal fear. I'm fearful of opening up. So this transformation can't happen. And the good thing is, I mean, transformation or just change is always driven either by urgency or vision. And vision is very rare. There's very few people who see the, cha the, the chances out there. But the urgency is rising at pace. Every day, things become more urgent because every day complexity rises. The old way of working becomes obsolete. I mean, clearly. And the necessity to also dig into more just sustainable ways of working becomes clear. And just when you're looking at all the ECG discussions, as in companies, you know, the carbon footprint all of a sudden becomes relevant. You know, the social sector becomes relevant. You know, Amazon, great company on the customer experience side, but on the supplier experience side, on the experience of the employee side, probably a disaster. I mean, I don't want, I probably wouldn't want to work in an Amazon plant, you know, distributing parcels. I don't know. But Customers are looking at this nowadays and the entire perception of how we do business and how we lead ourselves within that scope changes. And if you don't open up, you know, to this balanced idea of you know, not only looking after yourself, but also looking after others and looking after the planet, I think businesses are doomed. And that's exactly what we're trying to push businesses towards. Although you can't push them, they can only push themselves and you can help them on the way to become, to really to dig, dive into that paradigm. And it's an incredibly different paradigm from just, you know, perfecting your bottom line. It's a completely different game, completely different ball game. So to open up any individual and any company for the chances out there in sustainable business, that's somewhat our quest. Yeah, I think that's a very impactful quest, a very impactful task to help them in their push. Um, as you said, like you can't do it alone. It's also up to them to really understand that. And I also really like how you highlight that, yeah, that shift in that, in the landscape, how the perceptive is changing, how people are also taking a lot of different things into consideration. And yeah, to really understand, okay, what are the challenges? Like you were saying, you know, the human fears also a very, very big thing that probably influences 
across all of your working aspects. Mm -hmm. So really interesting to understand this here. And now that we've also kind of looked into your work with Elobao, kind of understood, okay, this is how you actually work together with them. These are the challenges that you see. I want to kind of take a step back and now look on your journey with um, Foshpom at work and your experience working with change in terms of um, sustainable behavioral or other contexts. I can imagine there's probably a lot of things that you learned along the way too. What would you say all in all is your biggest learning? or your biggest takeaway from the journey? That's a wonderful question that I haven't been asked ever. My biggest learning, I guess, as an entrepreneur is that you cannot alter behavior. People will alter their behavior, but you can only give impulses. And because we always think that we're making a huge difference, and maybe we are, but we're only making it because other people let you. Like you will never convince anybody because people convince themselves. And to be able to just offer, you know, heartfully offer something, And then it to be taken or to be rejected, that to me is my biggest learning of the business, as in you cannot convince anybody of anything. They will convince themselves. And all you can do is heartfully, openly, warmly offer. And they take it or they don't. And that brings a lot of peace too. Because, I mean, when I guess people like you and I, we're very convinced of what we're doing and there's you know certain strength and intensity in how we bring things forward. And that always has a type of threatening to the outside world, especially when I'm talking about fear. I'm a very open human being. And when I'm displaying my openness towards somebody, I'm inviting somebody to also open up. But that is very fearful to many people because they haven't learned to lead themselves that way. So I've become much more prudent in my approach to towards others as in, oh, you should be open too, as in, you know, that sucks. And, you know, just being able to heartfully and calmly offer and just wait for the reaction. And, you know, grass won't grow quicker when you pull it. It just grows. And some grasses grow quicker, some grasses grow slower. They all grow, after all, but you just you can't force anything. And in you know, in our business, this is long-term business. This is not like quick and dirty. There's an Excel sheet. You optimize your costs and let's go. It's not that. We're talking about very, very fundamental behavioral change in the world. It's a paradigm change that we're helping to perpetuate. And you need patience. And patience is a virtue. And you cannot push what we're doing. You cannot force it upon the client. You have to just work with the client heartfully and patiently. And then sometimes the client does lose patience and say, this is not going quick enough and we need to... Uh, 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 and to then remain calm and keep oozing that security in the insecurity of the world. Security within the insecurity, that's also a big learning, to be able to be the rock for the client to keep believing in that all these things are possible. So it's, I guess it's a mixture of all these things And I've learned to become, yeah, very heartful. I think it's not a mind thing. It's really, it's a, it's a very full body thing, awareness and calmness and yeah, just patience. Yeah. I think those are really great takeaways. I really like also that grass analogy that you say, okay, you can't force it. I think I can imagine you in your role or with Foschbung at work that this is exactly how you work together with clients to, you know, you're the enabler. You want to bring out the best in them. You want to help them drive their transformation, but obviously you can't do it for them. You need to work together with them. I think that's a really nice learning or takeaway from your journey there. And yeah, now basically talking about the learnings, all the successful initiatives here, I think on the other hand, working with transformation or in the field of transformation, implementing initiatives that are relatively new to the company or also to the industry that you're working in, I can imagine that that must be difficult too. Do you have maybe a mistake in mind that you made or anything that didn't work out the way you expected it to? 
well, I've, I've learned to not expect anything anymore. Things will just come the way they come. But um, as an entrepreneur, I must say that, you know, we're very purpose-driven and maybe on the entrepreneurial side, we've, we haven't been conscientious enough in establishing our own, you know, solid, clear structures to be able to scale. That's a very intimate thing with Forschung at work. We're still rather, rather small, although the business opportunities are huge. And maybe only from that point of view, I guess we've not fully uh, used our potential. But on the market side, in working with clients, I think we've, we've been pretty good. And there too, maybe we've, at the start of our business, we've expected too much from our clients, as in that things would go more quickly. But we just got taught and things take their time. And um, really, if, if I'm looking back at one mistake, it's maybe just being too impatient at first. And also maybe being too intolerant with the clients, as in, what, you don't learn this? You're stupid. As in, you know, you should be learning more quickly. This is sort of crap. And that's what I mean is that type of attitude doesn't serve anyone. So, and to just, you know, step back and watching the world, feeling yourself, feeling the other, realizing that it's always a path and some paths are being walked more quickly, some paths are being walked more slowly, and it's always good the way they are. And and that's why I've really sh I'm trying away from expectations because everything just plays out the way it plays out. And all you need to do is be connected with yourself, which makes you able to connect to others. And that's really always what it boils down to. And really, one mistake is maybe not being connected enough with ourselves and with the clients. And But we're on our way, 21, 22 coming up. We're looking at a bright future. The market is huge. The necessity for sustainable business it becomes like an absolute must. So I think we're in a good business and it just needs good self-leadership to get through it. And, you know, not expect too much, as I said, be connected to yourself and everything's going to be okay. That's great. You can always turn them into learnings as you just summarized it. As well. Yeah. Having this patience, connectedness, not expect too much. I think that's overall a very good takeaway. And yeah, now that we've talked about your journey, I also want to kind of look into the future, looking at your work and driving transformation together with the clients. What is your future outlook there? Is there anything that you're especially looking forward to? You touched a little bit on 2022 coming up. Yeah, there's something I'm looking forward to and that I'm actually enjoying right now already is the fact that all the quackery is starting to be exposed. I mean, when you're, when you're trying to, to master the challenge of transformation by virtue of a method like agile or design thinking, whatever it is, you will always fall short. And it becomes more and more clear that it's an extremely holistic endeavor that you have to be embarking on if you're talking seriously about sustainability. And, you know, all the complexity reduction, you, know, you implement this method, you're going to be good. You, you do this, you're going to be good. That's just about to disappear. And I feel that the belief in this type of business is also diminishing. And so that wholeness and that complete approach that I'm talking about, that I feel is the only way to sustainable business, that becomes more and more attractive. So that's the hope that I've got, that people realize That is a very holistic activity, and I'm repeating org transformation is always personal transformation, and my hope is that more people realize that it's also very much about themselves. I mean, all of life is about yourself, as you know. You're making the decisions, and, and you know, that self-leadership, that's something that becomes more and more conscious, I believe, in business, you know, that people realize that it's up to them. And we feel also like a huge pull from clients, you know, just for, you know, for learning, you know, our academy is, is doing well because people uh, really realize they want to learn. 
And, you know, just the ability of humans to adapt to their surroundings is really challenged in the 21st century. I mean, this is very vastly different to what it was 40, 50 years ago, this world. And people realize it and people are now embarking on that journey. And, you know, it's, it's great for people to do that and to be able to make a difference with that in that process is great. And I feel, um, we're at a very good spot and being very holistic always means not being able to be pinpointed to something. I mean, when you're selling agile, you know, people know you're selling agile. When you're selling holistic transformation, people are like, what? Like, how can we understand this? And it's always a bit difficult for people to understand what you're doing. And there's a challenge for us too, because that holistic approach needs to be still explained very concisely for people to be able to buy it. And there too, oh, by the way, I'm now realizing that's where we made a mistake too. We just thought we'd be much more easily understood than what we are. And we're not. So being concise, being clear, being precise is something that's very important to be able to be bought in the, in the market. And I'm hopeful that, you know, the holistic transformation becomes more and more attractive to companies because it's, because it's a must. You're not going to be sustainable yeah. if you don't fully work on yourself in the, in the entire scope. Yeah. But I see that as a very exciting outlook for the future as well. As you were mentioning, the holistic approach, not really focusing on empty methods or buzzwords or stuff like that, but really making it something useful and impactful. I think this yep. is really fascinating. Yeah. Christian, um, thank you so much for sharing all about your journey and your expertise and driving transformation, mm. and especially for sharing your journey with Elobau and their sust sustainability transformation. Really exciting to hear how to implement real sustainable change and what challenges and approaches you mentioned along the way. Mm. It's been a real pleasure having you on and thank you so much again. It's been a pleasure for me. It's, it's always very intriguing also to listen to oneself. There's always new things coming up and there's new learnings to be taken from. And it was awesome. Thank you very much, Christine. And looking forward to the next touch point, wherever it may be, whether it's in Singapore or in Vietnam, doesn't matter. It's always great to be connected. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Lost in Transformation. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe to our channel and leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next time for another episode of our podcast. Thank you.